From the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio, this is Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. Injured in Georgia? Make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. Injury Insider is presented by Status Home Design, your one-stop shop for all your home and gift needs. Hello and welcome to Injury Insider with Derek Hayes on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru Gwinnett Studio in the Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. This show will answer legal questions and debunk personal injury myths with insight and expertise. For over 25 years, Derek Hayes has exclusively represented injured parties in Georgia. Now, he'd like to put that knowledge to work for you. My name is Lita Brooks, and it's my pleasure to introduce the star of the show, Mr. Derek Hayes. Good morning, Derek. Good morning. Good to be here as always. Yes, absolutely. Before we begin the show, a quick reminder that Injury Insider is brought to you by my very own blog and podcast, Status Life with Lita, and by the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Injured in Georgia, make the right call to the law office of Derek M. Hayes at 404-777-HURT. This is one of my favorite topics, and you've done this show multiple times, Twice. correct? Twice. This Twice. Will be the third. Twice back in the notes. All right. So I'm going to let you introduce the show. Well, I was looking for a topic, as always, to, to, to start the day, and Ultimately, I had a question that a listener had submitted regarding a crazy lawsuit that I'd referenced in a prior podcast. And the reason why it was referenced in, in the email to me is because a um, an actual outcome has been published in this case. It recently, was recently, correct? Correct, in the last week or so. And it's back in the forefront of the news, and that's why the listener uh, sent me an email saying, hey, you covered this on a prior podcast. I didn't know if you saw this or not, and, and I did. But ultimately, it was about a lady who contracted an STD in a vehicle when having unprotected sex with a gentleman. And ultimately, she presented a claim against Geico as the insurance company for the vehicle, claiming that she had been injured in the confines of the vehicle, and she was seeking compensation for medical bills, pain and suffering, and for the STD that she contracted. So last time we spoke about this, was it still in litigation? Yes, yes. In fact, the, the events, the facts, uh, it occurred back in t- late 2017, and ultimately it just now came to resolution. And to kind of give you a little backstory on this, the, uh, the couple ha- had sex in this gentleman's car. It was in Missouri. And she contracted an STD. She presented the claim, as I said, to Geico, and they denied the claim. And their denial included the phrase that the damages claim did not arise out of the normal use of the vehicle. So that was the, the basis for the denial. It's obviously not the normal use. They, they uh, perceive the normal use to be driving down the road, going from point A to point B instead of having sex. Yeah, but I remember when we did, th- I mean, we're all thinking, of course, Hello, right. this is her choice. But here's where the law kind of takes a, a little bit different spin on this. You know, I've said before, common sense and the law don't jive. Sometimes common sense says one thing, but the law says something completely different. So in contract law, if you write a contract and I present that contract to you, I wrote it and I present it to you and you sign it, I sign it, it becomes a contract. But if there are terms in that contract that are vague or can be interpreted different ways, it's interpreted against the person that wrote the contract and in favor of the person who signed the contract but did not compose it. 
the theory is that if I compose the contract, it's a burden on me to make sure that the contract's written in such a way that there are no vague terms. There are no vague issues that would lead to litigation. Well, her argument was that the policy did cover it because the policy said that, that anyone in the, in the vehicle was insured against his or her personal liability arising from his or her negligent, uh, negligence and actions involving his automobile. So her theory was, and it's very creative theory on behalf of her attorney, was she incurred, uh, she, the injury occurred inside the confines of the vehicle, and therefore, based on the, the, the language interpreted in the contract, it was covered. And ultimately, they filed a lawsuit. Uh, both parties signed an arbitration agreement in March of 2021, and we've covered arbitration and mediation before. Mediation is where you go into the mediation, and ultimately, you're not bound by the outcome. You can leave and not settle the case if, if you don't agree with the last offer that was made or if you're uh, the, the insurance company and, and you're the one making the offer, if you're not willing to pay what they're demanding, you can walk away. But in arbitration, you sign away that right to um, walk away. You go to an arbitration and you're going to leave with an outcome. And the arbitration panel found that in favor of her, in, in favor of the lady, to the tune of $5.2 million against Geico. And, the, and again, they agreed with the theory that she was injured within the confines of the vehicle. Forget the normal use of the vehicle. She was injured, and therefore the policy required that they compensate her for her medical bills, her pain and suffering. And the STD itself, which was HPV, uh, has lifelong effects. It does. It does. I, so, I, but I'm still speechless. I mean, I'm looking at you like there. $5.2 million because of a choice she made. I understand what you just said. I just can't wrap my head around it. Well, uh, going back even farther in, in the facts, initially she had offered to settle the claim for $1 million, and Geico refused to. Uh, that's why I went into litigation. Now, currently, uh, Geico's appealed the federal case, and it's set for a jury trial in Kansas City in October of this year, they're trying to reverse the finding of the arbitration, which is going to be very difficult because they signed the arbitration agreement. So they're arguing technicalities to try and have the entire 5.2 outcome thrown out. Well, uh, that was going to be my next question. Is there the right to appeal here, right? If you have a jury trial and you don't like the outcome, you can make an appeal. Only a technicality Correct. in arbitration. Correct. They're going to argue that the arbitrator misinterpreted the, the language of the contract, and therefore they aren't bound to pay anything since it wasn't the, quote, normal use of the vehicle. So that's their argument. I just, I hope they don't. I, I think this, I don't know. So what I do you think? I, I, do you think she deserves to be compensated? Not, not or do you think, no, not at all. Forget not the amount. At all. No. Not a penny. Okay. Not at all. And most I could people see would her say going after him. I, I don't know how that works. Maybe you call it civilly. He carried an STD. He gave this to her. He didn't tell her, obviously, that he had this. There's some negligence on his part. Why does that have anything to do with Geico? Because she was injured She's in the confines going after, of the vehicle. It doesn't matter. I'm just Could have been you. in a bed. Right. I'm just right. Telling, I, I mean, they, how many? Can't they prove? Was this the only time they had ever done it? That's ridiculous. I, I'm just telling you what the law. It could have been on a park bench. Does that mean that the state, if it was a, a state park, needed to pay because she made a choice? No. Now, again, the the law looks at it this way, and very simply. He is covered as the owner of the vehicle through his insurance policy for anything that happens while in the confines of his vehicle. I understand that. And so when she presented a claim, 
you, you said against him, even if she sued him, Geico's responsibility is to defend him because it's in the confines of the car. So that's why when she sued him, Geico provided the defense attorney and would ultimately pay whatever verdict there may be, or in this case, arbitration. And ultimately, Geico, because of the poorly written contract, which is on Geico, not on her, not on him, he didn't write his own policy of insurance. She didn't write his policy of insurance. Geico did. So what's likely going to come from this is Geico and every other insurance company out there, they're going to have to tweak the language of the contract and be more specific and potentially define what normal use of the vehicle really means. Sure. I understand that moving forward. That's the first thing they're going to do sure. is leave that arbitration and hand it to their attorneys and say, you Fix need this. to make this ironclad. Do I think she needs to be compensated? Absolutely not. I think even a million. I, I just do. I oh, think I it's, I a, it's a technicality, and I hope that they're able to prove something and not give her anything. I, I don't disagree with you on that. In That's the sense just my that, opinion, Right, obviously. in the sense that she consented to the unprotected yes, sex. Yes, correct. And, and ultimately, you know, there are also two defenses that could have been raised, assumption of the risk is one. You assume the risk when you put yourself in a hazardous or dangerous position. You know, forget the, the consensual sex. Think about this. If I get in the vehicle with someone who's drunk. Right. And I know they're drunk. And I've been drinking with them all day. And we're injured in a car wreck. And I'm very badly hurt. Assumption of the risk is a defense against my claim against them. Because I knew or should have known they were intoxicated. And I assumed the risk by getting in the vehicle with them. So, again, there, there are things there that, that potentially weren't used that could have been used from Geico's standpoint. But after all said and done. There's an arbitration panel that awarded her $5.2 million, and it's now leading to a, uh, a federal case, a federal trial in October of this year to figure out what's going to happen. Okay, so it's not over. No, it's not over. They're not just going to cut that check. And, and what, what here may you go. happen, just kind of on a side note as attorneys, what may happen is the uh, defense attorneys for Geico may reach out to the plaintiff's attorneys, the, the attorney for the lady, and say, look, you've got a 5.2 arbitration award. We're set for trial in October. If this gets reversed, you're back to zero. Right. But we'll offer you X number of dollars to go ahead and, and make this go away. It may be a million. It may be two million. It may be 500,000. So clarify some dollar amount. Clarify for me. I'm sorry. Um, the trial is this going to go to a jury trial or or a trial with just a judge? It is set for a jury trial. Jury trial. Okay. Correct. Correct. And so again, th there'll be limited testimony uh, of what's going to be admissible. There's there's basically nothing that'll come from their arbitration that'll be admissible, but they will have to to talk about the contract language. I'm sure, and whether or not it's interpreted to mean something other than driving the vehicle and being injured while driving the vehicle. So if I'm sitting in the car with you and we're minding our own business, we're just sitting in a parking lot and somebody comes flying through the parking lot and they hit the car, we're just sitting and chatting and I get injured in your car and that person that hit us has no insurance. I'm allowed to present a claim against your insurance coverage, your uninsured motorist, because I'm in your car and I was injured while in your car. So that's the extension of the argument that goes to the unprotected sex and the fact she contracted the STD while uh, in his vehicle. I hope that that jury hears it and, and has the same reaction that I have. And it's not that I don't feel for this girl. I mean, that's a horrible thing to happen. You know, HPV, like you said, there's lasting uh, consequences to that, to a female physically. I just... 
I think it's too much. I think it's too extensive. And I don't think Geico is at fault. I think it could have happened anywhere. And it's a technicality. It was in that car. Sure, That's sure. And just I my opinion. Gonna... But I hope that the jury sort of thinks like me because it just takes one or two, right? Mm -hmm. You have to get That's all it. 12 right. to agree. And if a couple, you know, have my mentality, it's just my opinion. So, sure. Anyway. Well, it's, it's one of those cases that's likely going to be talked about for a very long time. Okay. Um, and and it's not over, so you're well, going to exactly. have to keep us updated. Uh, and, and we, as plaintiffs' attorneys, are going to use the argument in other ways. I mean, obviously, this was about unprotected sex and a STD, but uh, there are lots of other situations, crazy examples you could come up with how you could be injured in a car um, that may lead to uh, a claim, a valid claim. I'm surprised you don't have more cases like that, not just in a car, not this crazy lawsuit, specifically what we're talking about, but. That just seems like a common occurrence, and you're a personal and injury attorney. And it could very attorney, well be now. You know? Again, that, that's you think about the the uh, we covered in a prior podcast, Stella Lieback and the McDonald's hot mm -hmm. coffee verdict, and how that was perceived by the general public and the way the media presented it. I'm, I'm curious to see how this one eventually gets presented. But there are all kinds of cases that could come from what happened here. Uh, but again, I can guarantee you every insurance company out there is scrambling right now to, to figure out how to fix the language in their contract. <laughs> yeah, all to. the insurance companies uh -huh. are going to use this as their model. Are they well, going to put warning labels now on cars? If you have unprotected sex within the confines of this car, it's not covered <laughs> by any insurance policy. Put that on the visor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you have to sign a consent form. I don't oh know. Oh, my gosh. Well, a fascinating case. Again, keep us posted. Um, you know, let us know what ends up coming out of the jury trial. But you've got some other pretty wild cases yes. that we're going to discuss today. Yes. And, I, of course, led with that one because that was where the question came from. All so, I know is this is called the trapped burglar. And yes. you purposely did not tell me anything about this case prior to the show so no, i'm hearing no. this uh, along with everyone else well i haven't told you about any of these other than of course the one we talked about already the geico case uh we discussed that in the prior crazy lawsuit but i went with a theme when you said that you didn't understand why geico was paying the money and again we talked about common sense and the law don't don't really go together this next one is one where attorneys including myself will look at it and go what the heck was a jury thinking and I, i'll preface it by saying that so yes it's called the trap burglar so this guy named terrence dickinson he broke into someone's home okay so by definition he's a burglar he's broken the law he broke yeah. into somebody's home with the intention of robbing the house the people are gone he breaks in once he got inside the garage he realized the doors were all locked and he couldn't get out so he's trapped in the garage okay he's breaking in Good. to rob the house he gets trapped in the garage. Good. The automatic door, the garage door wasn't working, so there was no way for him to get out. Well, the rest of the story. So the homeowners were out of town. They're on vacation. They didn't come home for a week. So for an entire week, Terrence Dickinson was trapped in their garage. One week. So what do you do when you're trapped in a garage? Well, Terrence lived off of dog food and Pepsi. Oh, my That's what was in the goodness. garage. So Mr. Dickinson, who broke in with the intention of robbing the home, gets trapped, eats dog food and Pepsi for a week. When the family came home eight days later, they found him in the garage. Well, he got arrested, as he should. But Mr. Dickinson sued the homeowners. And he sued him because he was trapped in the garage for eight days and ate dog food and drank Pepsi. That is ridiculous well that an yes. attorney would even accept this as a case well i don't know whether or not an attorney handled this or mr dickinson that's did. true i'm making it that probably assumption. was an attorney just to be clear but the court actually found in favor of mr dickinson no they did not to the tune of five hundred thousand dollars 
Yes. Yes. He and as an put attorney. put himself in that position. <laughs> yes. Yes. You remember we talked about assumption of the risk earlier? Well, when you break into someone's home, you assume the risk. Something bad's probably or potentially going to happen. It also happens when you have sex in the backseat of somebody's car and they have an STD. Like, hello, people. But Mr. Dickinson wound up with $500,000. Yes, he did. Please tell me they appealed this or something. From what I've gathered, based on my research, it ended with a $500,000 verdict. So $5.2 million for the first one who had sex in a car and got an STD, and 500000 for a guy who was trapped in a, garage, in a garage for eight days and ate dog food and drank Pepsi and got $500,000, even though he broke in I know. to Tell commit a criminal Tell act. Tell me why, because I, I don't understand. I don't either. And again, as an attorney, I read that and, and my mouth drops to the floor and I don't get it. It just does not legally make any sense at all. They could argue that, so what we call man traps are illegal. A man trap would be if someone rigged a gun uh, so if somebody opens the front door and when the doorknob turns, the gun fires at the door. That's called a man trap. Uh, they're not legal. And so maybe they argued that the garage where the door didn't work and he got locked in and no way to get out was a man trap. But that's a stretch. That is a stretch. That is a stretch. And that's I mean, the only thing I can think he just happened to be in the garage. He could have gone out a window. Uh, the whole sure. thing. He's committing There's a criminal no act. way. I, he got I arrested. He's clearly I in the agreed. wrong. I agree. That's why it made the show. Again, I'm going with this theme of what? Huh? Okay, please do a little more research. I'll see if I can find anything more out about where it was, what state, and, and what year. And also, too, more importantly, what the final outcome was. But even if it was a $500,000 verdict and an insurance company assumed, you know, of course, a homeowner's policy refused to pay it, I'm, I'm sure they negotiated down from that and paid something to, to make it go away. But a jury awarded him $500,000. Twelve people. Yeah, apparently. Could have been a six-person jury. Okay, but either way, at least six or potentially 12 people gave him $500,000. Now, there's another one, the next one. Oh, I'm are you sure ready for another better. shock? Dun, dun, dun. So All right. This one is the botched suicide in New York what? City. Okay, now get ready. Okay. So a lady wanted to kill herself. Unfortunately, oh, horrible things going on in her life, and she decided to take her life. And so to do so, she went to the subway. <sighs> And she laid down on the train tracks on the New York City subway. Okay. Okay. Her plan was to get run over by a train and die. That's what she wanted to do. Well, the train came along and the train did run over her. Oh, my gosh. But it didn't kill her. Somehow, some way, she survived with very serious injuries, but she lived. She lived. And then what? guess what she did? Uh, she sued somebody. She sued she's the on city of New York. Here. She sued the city of New York. And what's even more shocking than that, the court found in her favor, and they awarded her $14.1 million for her injuries. Yeah. I'm completely speechless. Again, Producer this is Mike one of those, is over there shaking his head. Yeah. Like, the, we're blown away right now. So, as an attorney, again, I'm listening to this, and, okay, I can see how you could argue that, um, you know, there was hazard, uh, the fact that she could actually get onto the tracks and easily access... Uh, accessible to the tracks and uh, all those things. But even still, she made a conscious decision to go lay down on the train tracks to, unfortunately, kill herself. And because it didn't work, because she still got run over by the train and survived with horrible injuries, she had the audacity to sue the city for 14 point one, or for you know, her injuries and wound up with $14.1 million. I am blown away. Yeah, you well, should be. I mean, Anybody should be. Okay. 
Yeah. What are people thinking? I, uh, again, I look at this again as an attorney, and I'm always looking at this from the eyes of someone who would represent someone who's been injured. And for the life of me, I can't figure out why a jury would have awarded money when your intent was to kill yourself. And, and ultimately, you put yourself there. Right. That was you your choice. The, price the same you thing as the robber. Exactly. That was your choice. Or the to be STD a burglar, in the back of the car. To go into these people's home and take their belongings sure. and accidentally get locked in. And she committed criminal trespass by getting on the train tracks. Yeah, they should have resued her. That's a criminal act in and for, of itself. I mean, that poor train conductor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, again, one of those that just doesn't make sense. You look at it and think, huh, well. Crazy lawsuits. That's the name of the show. To this show. Yeah. All right. You've got more. Yes, I do. All the, right. The next one we call the missing doorknob. So a guy by the name of Cedric Makara was working in a building in the city uh, as a claims examiner. Uh, he was taking a break. Went to the restroom. When he got in the restroom, um, he got stuck inside. the 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 doorknob on the inside was missing. So if you imagine opening the door, going into the bathroom, and the door handle on the other side to get out of the bathroom is missing so he took his thumb and he stuck his thumb inside the hole where the doorknob would have been Mm -hmm. and he was trying to use his his thumb to turn the latch mechanism to to pull the door open well at the same time somebody was on the other side and of course he had no way of knowing and they turned the door handle so his thumb is stuck in there they turned the door handle and it caused severe injury to his thumb so when it caused the injury to his thumb he wound up having tendon damage and surgeries and you know, fix the thumb, but he was awarded $3 million for the injury after he sued the company that was responsible for the building, uh, a company by the name of Newmark Realty. Um, He was out of work for six months. He had to have the surgery, like we said, his medical cost, um, and they did allege he had a permanent injury. So he wound up with $3 million for sticking his thumb in the door to try and turn the handle to get out. Well, in addition to that, his wife was rewarded $750,000 for loss of consortium which the loss of consortium is the loss of spousal services because he was injured and his thumb was messed up. He could no longer perform his spousal duties, (laughs) cooking, cleaning, uh, carrying the kids to and from school. I mean, I'm not, I'm laughing at this case. I'm, I mean, if you have a real loss of consortium claim in life, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm not laughing at you, but this is ridiculous. But on some level, this one makes more sense. It does. And I was thinking that as you were going through it and I'm listening to you, okay, that is a real injury. It was a freak accident, an accident. That's the word. These others were not accidents. It was on purpose. You should not be awarded anything, let alone millions of dollars. Yeah. So he's trapped in a bathroom and decides to try and use his thumb to get out. And lo and behold, it, uh, $3 million later and $750,000 later for his wife, he's, he's out the door, but wow. he's got a messed up thumb. Wow. So, yeah. I might be okay with that one. Yeah, you you want to take my thumb? Yeah. <laughs> don't you, even take it off. Yeah, Just mess it up a little bit. $3 million for, $3 million for, a, dollar, for a thumb? I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of enticing. I gave bit. a kidney for nothing. Well, so yes, you did. That's I don't know. Right. I mean... <laughs> You could have held out a little bit. Yep. All right. Keep going here. These. So are the next one is a man in the phone booth. Now, this oh, one was made famous. No. Uh, President Reagan at the time, this happened in the mid 80s. Uh, President Reagan made a, an example out of this case in a speech uh, regarding what he called, um, uh, you know, out of control lawsuits, uh, litigious society and and use this as an example of, of a bad lawsuit. But in reality, when you hear the facts, it's kind of like Stella Liebeck in the coffee verdict. 
it makes sense. But I brought this one in because it does, you know, when you hear the facts, you think, okay, that's a little bit nutty. Uh, and the fact that President Reagan made a big example out of it. But anyway, it was the mid-1980s. A guy by the name of Charles Bigby, um, he had gone to, to, to use a phone booth. Now, the phone booth, and we don't have phone booths really many places anymore. We all have cell phones. But the phone booth was in a really in a bad position. It was uh, next to a street and by a bar uh, and a liquor store. So if you imagine a street that goes right next to this and, and almost the way it's described – the phone booth sits between two streets. So there's cars going by on both sides of the phone booth, and there's also a liquor store apparently right there as well. So Mr. Bigby goes into the phone book, ma booth, makes his call. He's getting ready to get out of the phone booth, and as he's turning to get out, he saw a car coming right at him in the phone booth. Right. So he tries to get out of the phone booth. Well, the phone booth door stuck. Oh, no. And he couldn't get out. So the guy driving was a drunk driver. And the drunk driver wound up going over the curb and hitting the phone booth. So he was able to collect $25,000, which was the insurance coverage, for the car that hit him. But he also went after the phone company that installed the phone booth and sure. wound up with several million dollars. Okay. Now, you think about that and, and you think, okay, the guy's scrambling really quickly trying to open the door, panicking, a car's coming right at him. H how can you blame the phone company? Well, in reality... The facts showed that the phone booth was placed at a dangerous corner, and they replaced it there after it had happened two years before oh. and one other time besides that. Jeez. So he was now the third person that had been in a phone booth that had been struck at that same exact spot, but yet they continued to put it there. They also showed that the prior phone booth had problems with the door as well. So this wow. was an example of three times a phone booth been hit, and at least twice where someone was trapped in the phone booth and wound up, you know, obviously suffering injuries when somebody went over the curb and, and hit it. So, again, the, the, the severity of the injuries, though, this guy lost a leg in the crash. Wow. So the, the injuries themselves were significant. Mm -hmm. The facts when you heard, okay, he's got 25000 from the driver. How could the phone company be responsible? That's a stretch. But in reality, it made sense. So this case was used as an example of, of a litigious society and out of control lawsuits, but kind of like Stella Lieback, when you hear the rest of the facts, you, you go, wait a minute, that does make sense. That's why I want to hear the rest of the facts on that robber. Yeah, okay? some, something that's sounds your like homework. it's missing. Right, because <laughs> yeah. again, you, it sounds absolutely ridiculous and there's no way. Well, um, but I'll also say too, that case, the one in the phone booth, uh, it was taken up all the way to the, the California Supreme Court. It happened in California and it was 12 years between when the, the case originated till the time the verdict was finally handed down so that case was in litigation for 12 years over a phone booth and a guy getting trapped in there and hit by a drunk driver wow so it takes a while I, yeah i didn't realize it could possibly take that uh, long i thought criminal cases could take that long uh, yeah, well um, the, the appeals, appeals that are available on, yeah. on whether it's criminal or civil and and i'm sure multiple motions that were filed through the course of the litigation um so anyway that that was how that one ended okay all right, so we're moving on to one. You've got all I can see is the title here, and you're going to tell us about the case. Yes. CBS sued by Brett Michaels, lead singer of Poison. All right, most everybody knows who Brett Michaels is. Of course. Is. Okay. Woo. So CBS hosted the uh, the Tony Awards. Now, Tony Awards are for Broadway. Right. I, I don't know why Brett Michaels was there. Maybe he wrote some songs for a, a show or something. But anyway, he was he was there at the o Tony Awards. Uh, it was broadcast in 2009. Um as he was leaving the stage, uh, 
there was a, he claims that he was not properly instructed on how to leave the stage. You know, you get your award or you do your presentation, you turn and walk off. Well, as he was leaving, um, he hit his head on a set piece that was hanging down pretty low. Okay. So he's walking off the stage. He wound up hitting his head. Neil Patrick Harris was the host of the Tony Awards again in 2009. And he jokingly said something about uh, Michael's taking the, the phrase headbanger to a new level. So everybody laughed about it. It became a big joke. But in reality, he broke his nose. And he also suffered a brain hemorrhage that happened a few months later that wow. was directly linked to the spot on his head, the blow to the head, when he hit this low-hanging piece of equipment. So broke his nose and wound up with a brain hemorrhage. So um, they claimed that it was caused by the, the, uh, the, the piece of material that, or the, the piece of equipment that was there. And the courts ruled in his favor, and the amount of the award was never disclosed. So he, he's on the stage. He turns to walk away. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, you, you think about what was in his line of sight. Was it the lights that blinded him from the stage? Was it dark? And he couldn't see, but somehow, some way, he walked right into something that was hanging down, banged his head bad enough to break his break nose, his nose. Yeah. and cause a brain hemorrhage. I, I mean, I've been a performer my entire life. And yes, all you can see is bright, bright light in your face. And when you turn, you're going into the dark wings where mm -hmm. the curtains are. I mean, I can just envision it, and I really feel bad for him. Well, anyway, a lot of people probably didn't know about that, but that was Brett Michaels. And, uh, you know, he did sue CBS and wound up with an undisclosed amount. I had no idea. And I'm a fan of his. Yeah. But I thought he had, and this doesn't sound like it's relevant to the case, but I thought he had some pre-existing health conditions. Did, He's it, diabetic or that's something. That's what I, I was going to say. He did a reality show and really mm -hmm. talked openly about it. So when you started talking about this, I thought, well, geez, I wonder if something really happened that was related but no it was a it was an injury yeah and i feel really bad for him right so, and again that, this is one that makes more sense it does because it, it was makes, an accident but i threw it in here because everybody knows who brent michaels yep. is and probably did not know about what happened you know you may have watched the show that year and you may have heard neil patrick harris make a joke out of it and everybody thought it was funny but uh, you may not have known what yeah, the eventual what, outcome what was. really happened yeah. there's always more to the story yep. that's what that should be the lesson, the takeaway from today's show here on yeah. Injury Insider. All right. I want to know about this one. Don't sue Summer. Now, this is truly one of those crazy Is this lawsuits. a crazy one? Yeah. This one was eventually dismissed, but I have to tell you because it, it, it blew my mind when I read about it. So it was the summer of 2019. Hadn't been that long ago. Two women sued a water park for injuries they sustained when they broke in it at night. So they broke into the water park, two ladies. And they sustained injuries while they were in there. In other words, again, they committed a criminal act. Well, here's how they got injured. They decided to go down one of the slides that was dry. It's a water park. The slide is dry. The water's turned off at night. And so when they went down the slide or attempted to, they broke their legs. As in oh both women gosh. broke both of <gasps> their legs. And they were, when, the reason why, they ran into a gate at the bottom of the slide. Oh, my so goodness. It's a water slide without water at night, closed, and they jumped on it and slid and slid right into a gate at the bottom, and both wound up breaking their legs. I'm laughing. Not cause I they know, broke, but, but it's, it's kind so of, outrageous. Yeah, again, you assume the risk of what happens. Correct. So it was, um, they, they claimed in their lawsuit that it was too easy to break into the water park. That it was an attractive nuisance. An attractive nuisance means that something is enticing to you and you see it and it becomes a nuisance and that it draws people there. Now, an attractive nuisance is typically something you would argue about a child jumping in a neighbor's swimming pool that's not gated 
and has no fence around it. That's why you're required to have fences around swimming pools. Do you remember the other crazy lawsuit show that we did? And you talked about the guy that hid. I don't know if it was SeaWorld, SeaWorld. but they had the orcas. Yeah, and he jumped in the, the pool with the orca. I mean, is an orca an attractive nuisance? They probably tried That's to ridiculous. argue that. They probably tried to argue it. But anyway, so they wound up claiming the water park was responsible, that uh, they did not warn them about the proper use of the slide during park hours only, and that uh, it was too easy to break in and too easy to get on the slide and slide down it and hit the gate and both break both legs for both of them. But the, the case was eventually dismissed. Okay, as good. it should have been. Yes. But... Again, it, to me, it was a crazy lawsuit, the fact that they even thought they could and apparently did. Wow. And apparently did. But yeah. it was dismissed. And that's the difference from this one and the ones that you led with that yeah. actually got big amounts from a jury. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So I got one last one. You to, do? To wrap Is this, up. Yeah. Are we saving the best for last or do I get to vote on the well, most no, I'm, outrageous? Well, no, I'm going to ask what you think is the most outrageous. Okay. And also we'll get Mike on the, the mic as well and, okay. and see what he thinks. Put but, him on the spot. Yeah, this one is, is Walmart. Um, and the title of it, Walmart helps man save money on his hip replacement. Okay. Okay. So this guy in 2016 went into a Walmart and he wanted a watermelon. And if you've ever been to a Walmart and even grocery stores and Sam's and Costco, those kind of places... There's a massive cardboard box that watermelons, sometimes cantaloupes, those bigger yeah, fruits are, are in there. Produce section. And sure. they're typically on a, a platform or maybe a pallet. A, a pallet, pallet usually. That's sitting mm -hmm. out there. So the watermelons were on a large, in a large box sitting on a pallet in the middle of the produce section. So the 59-year-old man saw watermelon he wanted. He tried to pull it out and couldn't, so he climbed up on the pallet, and his foot got snagged in the pallet. And he fell. And when he fell, he broke his hip. So he sued Walmart for his broken hip, for the surgery and the extensive healing process and therapy, everything after the fact, and, and obviously blame Walmart because uh, the way that the watermelons were in the box, he had to get on that pallet to be able to get the watermelon out, and it was a, a dangerous situation and allowed his foot to get caught, and in <laughs> and, and doing so, yeah. it made him fall and twist, and so ultimately, uh, he claimed that they acted negligently by not warning customers about the protruding pallet. They did, in, in the case of the, the lawsuit, they did uh, subpoena some of the security footage around that area. And the security video footage showed other customers using that same pallet, and all of which were wow. also tripping. So he was the one that got his foot stuck, tripped, and fell, and messed up his hip, and wound up with a hip replacement. Uh, but that was the powerful evidence that the jury kind of hung their hat on and guess how much he wound up with millions yes 7.5 million dollars uh was the outcome so the video evidence where it showed other people climbing on the pallets to try and pull watermelons out and also tripping was his smoking gun so to speak uh -huh. and the fact that that it also too caught his specific fall on on camera so you could see that he was truly just trying to get a watermelon out he wasn't trying to create a situation where oh my foot got stuck oh i fell but it did lead to $7.5 million wow. because and of a watermelon display in the produce section. Uh, this is one. I'm going to break it down here. My opinion. I understand it. I see it. At first, you know, the first half that you were talking about, I thought, okay, here we go. It's mm -hmm. outlandish. Come on, man. Y you've picked up a watermelon before. But then 
you sort of made his point for him when you sure. started talking about what his argument was. And right. Okay, so then now I, I'm sitting on the jury, right? I'm weighing the facts here. But $7.5 million, it just seems that that verdict is so outlandish for what happened. Sure. And, and he was I mean, 59 what years were his old. Medical bills? Well, he, right. here's, like, here's likely how that got calculated. We have what's known as a mortality table. The mortality table predicts the number of years you have left, whether you're male or female, based on your current age. So he's 59 years old. They looked at the mortality table, X number of years remaining in his life. He's likely still employed, again, a fact I'm assuming, but they would look at what his projected earnings would be over the rest of his adult life and even through retirement. You also factor in the severity of the injury. Uh, he had surgery, a hip replacement. I don't care who you are. It's never going to put you back to 100%. You've got a piece of equipment now that is what you rely on as opposed to the God-given bones that you had to – you know, have a, a hip that was in good shape. So he probably had an economist testify regarding the amount of future medical cost therapies, but also to his loss of earning capacity. And, um, you know, again, I can see how mathematically a jury could come up with a number that high. When you think about it, though, just in terms of, oh, he messed up his hip and he got 7.5 million, it may seem a little crazy. But the evidence may have shown to the jury that that was a very valid number to come back with and award him. Okay. But All right. There you go. So we've done, what, eight? Okay. So I've got them laid out here just by title. So we've got the first one. Uh, I don't know what we're going to call it, but it was the STD. Uh, STD in a car. We'll STD call in a car. The next one is the trapped burglar. In the garage. Yes. The trapped burglar in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Make them think it's another case. All right. STD in a car. Trapped burglar. Botched suicide mm -hmm. in NYC. Man in a phone booth. The missing doorknob. Missing doorknob. In the bathroom. Don't sue Summer. The girls who broke into the water park. Brett Michaels. And Walmart Water watermelon Man. hip mm -hmm. replacement. That's it. All right. So which one? Which one stands out? Well, let's do it two ways. Which one seems most logical for the outcome? And okay. then which one All right, let me do that stands one out as the... It's just too crazy to believe. Well, logical to me, number one would be Brett Michaels. Okay. Number two would be the thumb in the key or sure. the thumb in the lock. Those, right. Because you could justify You could those. justify they were true accidents. Yes. Okay. So those two I can take off the table. Missing doorknob and Brett Michaels. Very logical. The, the most outlandish? The most. Mm -hmm. I, I am absolutely torn. I'll let Mike be my tiebreaker unless he has a whole different one std in a car and the trap burglar I, I mean those two to me just blow my mind on the sheer stupidity and that they actually got awarded a large verdict yeah oh okay. I, i'm not disagreeing with any of that all no, right mike all. will you weigh in here and and give us another opinion since you've been here in the background listening to the show uh, just a couple items uh on the one that laid down in the subway trying to commit suicide <gasps> right um the, yeah, that, that's crazy. Fourteen point one million. They, they it was negligent, and they, it was operator negligence because there was a nine one one call that someone was laying on the tracks. They told the operator of the subway, so he went down to uh, a caution uh, speed. He was only going to fifteen miles an hour because they knew somebody was on the track, and they they sued that he should have actually had extreme caution and been maybe ten miles slower. So he didn't stop in time. 
Did you read that? Yeah, I'm, I'm reading about the case. You cheated. Oh, he's got you his computer. We don't have a computer yeah. <laughs> in front of us. So, okay. so it was operator negligence, wow. which is why uh, she won the case. Okay. They said that he that, that the operator knew somebody was on the track, was going 15 miles per hour, but should have actually been going under 10 miles per hour. Had he been doing that, he would have been able to stop in time. Wow. But the craziness, though, still is the fact that she put herself in that position right. for right. the purpose of dying. Right. Just like the burglar in the garage yeah. who actually uh, sued for undue mental anguish. That's the one I pick. Okay. Burglar in the garage. Trap, yep. That's just yeah. like that's just stupid. Uh, yeah, it is. They're all it's, bad. It's yeah. <laughs> they're, they are all. So which one to you lawsuits. sounds most logical? Well, the Brett Michaels. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. question. Yeah, I mean, you break your nose on something in the dark. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've actually I mean, seen, seen the video. Oh, so. really? Oh, you have? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I, that's the first I've heard of it. So I don't, I don't watch TV much, though. <laughs> so I'm too busy podcasting. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, a fantastic show. These are one of my favorites. Uh, but Derek, you take listener questions and not just here on the podcast, but you have a way on your website that anyone out there that has been injured uh, if they have questions for you, a potential case, uh, they need your expertise, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell everyone how they can find you and reach you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, go to my website. That's always a starting point. It's Derek, D-E-R-E-K, the letter M as in Matthew, and then Hayes, H-A-Y-S. So DerekMHayes.com. On my website, you'll see a podcast tab. You can click that, listen to any of the prior podcasts, but also to submit a question or a potential topic. I've had many, many questions and topics that have come into me that have turned into shows. In fact, today's kind of started from a point that was made by a listener about the prior crazy lawsuit. Um, so anyway, yes, definitely reach out to me that way. Also on my website, you can learn a lot more about me, my law firm. You can send me a, a direct email about a potential claim. I will be the one to call you and discuss it with you. And if I can help you, I'll be happy to do so and discuss that with you. You can also check out my social media platforms. Uh, I'm on Instagram, also on Facebook and Twitter, the law office of Derek M. Hayes. Uh, so you can find me that way. My phone numbers, 404-777-HURT or 678-225-0970. And one final point, we did this today. And when I've done the other two crazy lawsuit podcasts, I've also asked people to respond. Oh, to yeah. reach out Please to me, do. vote. Uh, I will next uh, podcast talk about which one won, if that's the word you right. want to use, which one got the <laughs> most votes. Uh, but yes, definitely reach out to me, make comments and suggestions, and I'd love to to respond directly to those. And if you guys know, like Mike did, he did his homework because he was curious as we're sitting here taping. If you find out any information on these that we did not uh, air or broadcast and you want us to share some of the points, I'm most curious about that trap burglar. Yes. Uh, but anyway, and, and if you hear of some, if one is happening, happened in your hometown and you want to share it with us we'd be happy happy to put it on the show these are um, absolutely fun uh, takes us away from sort of the seriousness of the law that we do on this show so many times I got one question for you yeah would you live eight days in a garage on Pepsi and dog food for five hundred thousand dollars yes <laughs> that's a tough question no you wouldn't have a choice I was locked in yeah well I, there's no choice okay I mean do I want to eat dog food no but if I'm law, I mean, think how hot, maybe, I don't know, I'm assuming because it's 100 degrees outside oh. here today, but it could have been hot in there. I don't know. But yeah, if I'm trapped, I'm going to... I'll eat whatever you know, I can find gotta, in there, right? right. Exactly. You got you to gotta do whatever you can do. 
All right. Thank you so much for joining us on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes, presented by Status Life with Lita and the Law Office of Derek M. Hayes. Don't forget that you can enjoy any of these episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Injury Insider with Derek Hayes. This program is also available on Apple iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you can listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, for Derek Hayes, I'm Lita Brooks, and you've been listening to Injury Insider on Business Radio X.